The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Hi, I'm Mike Tyson. That's Mikey T. Mike Tyson. Fucking fucking idiot. Did you all go back and listen to Mike Reezy's story? And if you haven't, you should. But one fun caveat is every time you hear the music of the Cat and Clouds show, he's the one who made that music. Yeah, that's true. He's got a downloadable album called The Analog Resolution. You can get it for free somewhere. I don't know where. He did not ask us to plug. He didn't. I just, I thought it was something, it was something that's really interesting that came in the story of like the full circle Mike Resendez story that also is affecting and in our lives because we, of all that stuff you guys talked about last week, which we don't want to talk too much about, but big facts, big facts. It's not just uh, the beat that you hear. It's a fucking rap album. He's rapping on it. He is a hip hop -hop hop album and he's got some flow on there. And at first I was like, I couldn't tell if it was him. It was him and his homie. I can't remember his friend's name. My bad. But it's real. It is real. They do the hip hop. The hip hop, as the kids say. The hip hop. I love hip hop. Do you love the hip hop? Yeah, I'm not very good at following it anymore, but I still love the hip hop. There's a lot to follow. It's hard to hard to latch onto. There's so much. Put a link below. Road podcast. Featuring DJ Impulse and yep, DJ yep. Excel. It's like this inside the mind of a DJ kind of kind of shit. And they're you got you just gotta listen to him talk. He hasn't said they just posted his little something something this morning. I saw they got the smooth the smooth shit going on. How's the voice action on the on the pod, dude? It's buttery. good. It's super good. And particularly Hi. particularly Excel sounds like the coolest motherfucker that you've ever heard ever. He just sounds so fucking cool. Cooler than Thundercat? Cooler than Thundercat. I actually have never heard I mean, Thundercat speak. I only hear his bass. I've only heard them fingers just slide across those whatever. But <laughs> fretboard? Gauged frets. <laughs> slide across, slide, slide across the neck. frets. The neck. It's, uh, it's good. All I, right. I like it. All right. I don't want to fucking cat fully out of the bag. I don't know if it's 100% official yet, but there seems to be a high percentage chance that Impulse is going to be DJing the after party at SCA. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've heard this as well. There's rumors about. It's rumors. Gossip Girl shot out a quick text to all of us. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And I hope that happens because let's be fucking real. Whoever did it last time, you fucking sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Wait, what was the last one? Totally. Uh, right. That's For sure. Part of it, it was too. in Seattle. 
Oh, yeah. And I'm not claiming that I could do any better. Like, I would do worse than the oh, last I'd do a terrible person job. did. Like, horrible. Worst DJ ever right here. I'm claiming third time's a charm, uh, Mr. DJ Impulse himself, because there's two times we meant to hang out, and we've missed it. So third time's a charm. I'm going to see you in Boston. I think Boston's coming together. We're gonna, it's going to come gonna together big time. We're going to have a talk. We're going to be friends. Shit is going to be popping. Other than the internet. Other <laughs> IRL. <laughs> in real life. I want to do some kind of get together there with a, like a small group of people. We have to and have conversations. This is more like a round table, <laughs> like a master class like round a table. Master class. I want. I was talking about doing an event, but I don't know if I want to do an event because I don't know. That sounds like a lot of pressure. I'm starting to feel like it sounds like a lot of um, energy out. And we always get energy back, but kind of, I think you and I are maybe getting more specific into what we're looking for in terms of like back and forth. Yes. I want, I do not want to provide, here's the reason I don't want to do like a talk or something, even though it'd be fun to do that and we'll do it. It is always fun. Do it at some point. At something like SCA, I need to connect with people who are on a a similar path, and Mm -hmm. I needed to have like a two-way exchange of information. Right. I don't feel like I can, at least this year, be the one who's giving all. Like, I don't want to be the person that's just like talking and have other people listening. No. Even though, ironically, that's exactly what we're doing right here on the podcast. And in some situations, it's great, but... Different format. There's no other else here. I would rather... (laughs) It's me and you. Hey. Hey. Yeah. Let's call somebody up from the outside. It's just just Chris and I. Bro, I don't mean to tell you, but there's nobody else here. There's nobody here. Um, At SCA, I would rather have, you know, 10 or 15 people... We go make a reservation somewhere. Dinner doesn't have to be fancy, but then everyone's exchange of ideas. I like that a lot more. I also think there probably is a lot more benefit. And hopefully it allows you to get more people, like you said, on a similar plane so that there isn't like a really large gap from like the intro level to the person who wants to dig deep in something specific. There's an ability to kind of go... With the flow. Oh, sure. <laughs> but in a way where it, it'll be really beneficial for all parties. And yeah, there's something to be said about wanting to push your own learning too and your own development through experience. And you need other people who are really interested in that and not just waiting to hear what you have to say. Yes. I need someone that's going to pull me forward, push me forward, drag me kicking and screaming into the next situation. Ask questions. Die trying. Die trying. <laughs> That's what 50 Cent should have been doing. It's hard to be the owner sometimes in that situation because your job is to provide like the impetus for growth for the organization. Like you're that you're that spark no matter what. Right. And if you do it right, you have other people that carry some of that light with them and can spark other people. Right. Uh, but it always funnels up. It always it funnels. It up. always funnels up, and if you crash and burn, then that's that's a big bummer. So, getting with other people who can help you with that, or just like provide a little bit of energy right. into that from a similar level, it's sometimes exciting. It's, it's just energy. Some sometimes it's just energy. We obviously hope to glean more than just energy from people, but occasionally that's all you need. Is it's almost just like a same mindset with a different approach. Or maybe, yeah, that's kind of the way I had to picture it. It's the same mindset and a different approach to hear a, a larger or different perspective on the same take. And that 
with excitement, and then somebody just delivers that, and you're like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm feeling that. And then they guarantee it'll get the same from you. Yeah, and I want to learn from people. Yep. I want to I wanna know. I want to know. I want to know the secrets. I want to I I wanna wanna know it all. I want to know the secrets. I want to know what makes them get up in the morning and how they can navigate through. I want... Like, the DJs, Impulse, Excel. Right. You look at them on Instagram. They spend their whole life traveling. Excel, specifically, that dude is on the road like more than anybody i ever seen. Never home, like show after show after show after show after show after show, consistently producing stuff. And I'm like... I want to know how you keep your shit together mm-hmm. when you're never home. Right. And not in like a weird ethereal, like, how does he do it? I'm like, no, actually, what do you do to stay centered when you're on the road that much and in these crazy places with fucking crazy schedules? Because life of a DJ, you know, it's not like you're nine to five. Right. You fucking roll in probably for sound check at seven o'clock. The club doesn't open till nine or ten and you're there till I'm guessing, you know, fucking two or three shutting the shit down. Right. I want to know how that works. Not because I'm going to do the exact same thing, but there's probably some mindsets that I can apply. I mean, I think two things when I hear that. I think that there's some form of, whether it's structure or not, we don't know. But, like, there's some formula that he and people like him are using. But then there's also something that I was was listening to these sports announcers because I always watch replays of games, basketball games and stuff like that. And they were arguing about, like, just God-given talent. Like, you're a natural. And so they were talking about Steph Curry and just, like, how he's a natural shooter no matter what. And then they're like, but the hard work. And they're going back and forth. And it's like, yes, but also, and it was Mark Jackson was one of them who's been in the NBA forever. And he's like, I've played with Reggie Miller. I've played with Ray Allen. I've played with all the greatest shooters. I've, you know, and he's like, here's the thing. I could take as many shots as Steph Curry and all of them, and I will not be as good of a shooter because of the given talent. So I'm thinking, like, are certain people wired to just be on the road all the time? And there's still a lot to learn from them because that that's actually where the magic is to me, is it's like, okay, I'm never going to be that, but I do want to stretch myself in some of those areas to have more capacity. So what do they do to keep themselves going or to improve their excellence? Even though I'm never trying to be that, I'm trying to like stretch that area myself and step in a little. Yeah. And I know? think there's things to learn from everybody. Like, yeah. Like everyone has these little, little hacks. And if you can just take like 1% or just a small smidgen and add it, like put that in your pocket. Right. Maybe you use it immediately. Maybe you don't, but it's just ammo, like something interesting to try. Yeah. To like recall. To recall. I'm all about the recall. That's so funny when talking about talent. Versus hard work versus whatever versus yeah. anything. I fucking people, people. <laughs> oh man. Well, the thing is, is people like, are, yeah, people are fucking tripping all of the time. It's what he said is totally true. Well, they came to the conclusion that it's both, but at the same time, like it's both. Right. So like the hard work is what turned him into like maybe what will be the best shooter of all time. Yes. And potentially, like, he's on track to be. Like, he's, like, 800 three-pointers away from beating the all-time three-point shooter, Ray Allen, or whatever. But, like, he'll get there because of all the shots. But at the same time, they, like, went to an interview and with Steph Curry, and he's just like, I mean, I can't tell you how many shots I've had. I was in there. I loved it. I loved improving. So I kind of knew I was a natural just because I started and I was able to 
hit more shots than most of my friends at the same level of experience. And it's just, there's something that was like, I feel like I'm pretty good at this. So I'm a, I'm gonna keep going. But then I also fell in love and there's hard work and there's dedication. And then that's why I'm averaging like 33 points a game and shooting 50% from three point line or whatever. Yeah. I don't <laughs> love that people separate those two things. Like right. they're fucking mutually exclusive. They're not. No, it's, if you have a talent for something, you still have to work at it. If mm-hmm. you want to maximize it and right. take it to the next fucking level. Also, I really don't like on the flip side that people are like, you can be just as good as anyone else if you try hard enough. No That's chance. fucking not true. That no is chance. not true. And this calls back to what we talked about the other day. And I guess this is the point that I was trying to make when we were talking about baristas and you not working bar all the time and you being an elevated game is like, that is an example of you in your zone. Right. And there's a lot of people, sorry, no matter how hard they work, they're just not going to get there because whatever way your brain is wired lends itself to you being in a situation like that and being able to see and do things that other people just can't. It's true. Or will never get And like, they, they can model you and they can learn from you and they can improve their game by watching you. But I would be willing to bet a lot of money that I don't have. But if I did, I would bet it that if you took someone like you and just whoever X random person, right? Same experience, same time on bar, same, whatever training access to knowledge or whatever. Someone's going to come out on top because that person's going to be more talented. Yeah. <laughs> you know, hard one truth. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, there isn't. It doesn't I'm, mean that any, it doesn't mean that the other person's like, less important or less than, or it, it's like, okay, is someone else going to beat themselves up because they're not as good of a shooter as Steph Curry? That doesn't seem really productive. Not very realistic of an idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more about like, okay, where do I shine the most? And then leaning into that and not trying to be like, whatever. No, for sure. It's, it's, can you take a step back and be like, what's my own, I guess we talked about it, you and I in a meeting yesterday, but what's my own special form of little magic, my little seasoning that goes into this experience? And without me, the experience would be different. And being able to kind of just step away and be like, that is also equally as important sometimes as the guy or gal who scores the points. Because without you maybe that person doesn't have somebody to pass to, or maybe somebody doesn't, you can, you can make things happen in a different way for them. And I'm using sports analogies because I went from basketball, but what frustrates me is when people do have the gift of the either ability or the foresight or the mental clarity or whatever, the critical thinking to be, and they just don't care or they, or they're not interested in being their best self. And that's, obviously a judgment because it's one of those things it's like let somebody be somebody and let somebody else be somebody but man when you when you have these conversations with people and they you're like oh you see exactly what i see and what are you doing with that that part gets frustrating to me where it's where you can totally be aligned but there's like lack of maybe ambition or lack of interest in being anything more than where you're at where have you experienced that the most it's more of a it's more of little pieces here and there where we'll be where i'll be talking with somebody and more so in other places than on our business, but they'll totally understand exactly like where I'm coming from, why 
the ideas we are talking about back and forth may be positively integrated into a company or into a place and then just be like, man, that sounds really hard. I don't, I, I mean, what happens if, what happens if, what happens if, and it's like the fear of uncertainty leads to no action. And I've always been probably for better 70 for worse, the rest, like, I don't really care. We could like all break, but we got to try guy. And so there's just been, a, it's, I guess, the idea of like living in uncertainty for one or just like the classic natural human sense, which is to just do what's safe and do what you know versus like exploration. So I guess really I'm imprinting a little bit of a personal belief of like push and explore and impress and change and innovate. And some people don't love that. That's why I was trying to not overly judge, but it still is a frustration of mine where you it could be it could be a business it could be a personal thing where they're just like yeah man i know exactly what to do and i'm about to do it but what if something goes wrong so i'm not going to do it actually or what if something changes and that's honestly like it's everywhere in our lives at times especially when i think you and i are in a place where we see and hear and speak with so many different people we don't have all the answers but i think you and i are a little more uh we're not risk averse we're just open to kick the ball around a little yeah. bit and see where it goes. I, I totally understand the, I'll call it the illusion of safety, because I'd argue that it's it's not safe at all. Right. Even though you're totally right, that's probably where their head's at. Evolutionary. It's the, it's the safety. It's like, yeah. do what you oh, know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is... It's safe because I know it, because I've done it. And for I'm sure. I'm, I'm alive right now. Yep. Yes. And what I think a lot of people don't realize, and I definitely didn't realize, is that... Everything is changing all the time. So let's say you're in this pocket of success that you're in right now. If you stay in that pocket of success, things around you are going to shift so much that that is not going to be successful anymore. Like what got you to this point is not going to take care of you for the rest of your existence. And it doesn't mean that you have to compromise like your values or your truths or what you believe, but it might mean to have the most effective business, have the most effective organization and really do things for the people that work with you. You might need to change how you're doing some stuff and what some of those things that you're doing are to be relevant enough to provide that quote unquote safety net. Right. Cause we've all seen aside from a few like, Shit, even the fucking major companies, like they all go in arcs of where they're pulling their levers to maintain relevancy. Yeah. You know, especially you, the good ones. It, Obviously, only the good ones, or else we, we forget about them. Yes. <laughs> right? right. And like, even someone who has like such strong characters like Disney, they're not all eggs in one basket and they're not just like, cool, we're just going to make cartoons because we had really good success making cartoons. This feels safe. Like, right. this, is, this is what we do. We make cartoons. Let's make cartoons. They probably could have done that and been like way smaller than they are, way less successful than they are. They're like, hey, there might be a market for this out here, mm -hmm. that out here. And just acknowledging that, that you will get lapped <laughs> if you put yourself in a box. Yeah. For sure. It reminds me of the old, the old Teddy Roosevelt quote, which is like, you could either try and succeed, which is the best option. Try and fail, which is the next best option. And the worst option is don't do, do anything. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and 
That is pretty ice cold, hard hitting. If you just sit with that for a second, what's is there a time in your life where you felt like you did that? You didn't try something, and then it it just kind of fucking bit you in the ass. I think a lot of times in my life I have, but the way my brain works is I, it's not the same at all as Reese's, but at the same time, I'm always kind of looking towards growth and I just naturally have, like I'm looking towards, towards progression. So I'd say like, I have to blame myself for some of my lack of emotional intelligence at earlier parts of my life and career and then I also want to like hold other people in my world accountable for never teaching me shit you know so I get angry about that stuff so you know there's like the two way street of man when did I not try something I only I mostly think back to being a kid and things like being afraid of stuff that is irrational and not doing it like my most vivid memories is that I, is that I never went on roller coasters because I thought all these things were going to happen or I didn't go into caves because I was afraid of all the things that could happen. Those are the things I remember. All these experiences that I now love that were terrifying to me. And every single one of them, a human being <clears throat> who like believed in me or whatever, supported me through like the step in or the step two. And then on the other side of it, I was like, what was I afraid of? That was awesome. That was so sick. I can't believe it. And so that's not those aren't success stories, but those are like... Those are the, actually the more prominent things. And <clears throat> I th- think because I didn't have direction, there I don't I don't really know what was happening <laughs> like post high school to when I decided to move to Santa Cruz to start Verve. But I also have what for whatever reason always like had these 100% snap decision. I know this is the right move without a ton of thought. Like, that's my next move. Go. And I guess you could argue whether I was right or wrong. They're, they felt they were always what felt like the right thing and the next thing. So I was never afraid of just like switching it up completely for something that I felt like was the right idea. So aside from when you were a kid, there's no glaring examples of when you had that fear. So what if we flipped it the other way around? You're someone who likes to poke, likes to explore. You'll, you're not afraid of taking the road less traveled. Are there times when you've done that too soon, too often, and maybe shaken things up a little too gnarly for people? All the time. <laughs> All the time. Uh I mean, I, I, Julia and Todd will like totally jump on this. I went down there and like, it was good, and then it was also super hard, and I and I just like pushed really hard a lot of these ideas, and it just wasn't my place to do so, and so there was a lot of friction between us for a while because I believe so strongly in these ideas, and I for whatever reason had gotten to Z and seen all in my mind like the the future. You know, whether it was real or not, or even could be the tr- real or not, I didn't know. But I was like, this is going to work for you guys 100%. We got to push for this. And I'm like, you know, dug my heels in on ideas and probably and for sure made them feel uncomfortable a lot of times <laughs> because I was like, I was relentless about them and I was passionate about them and I wasn't really open to other ways because I had for sure been like, nope, I know for sure this is what's best. And who knows if it was or wasn't, 
Uh, and by the way, like, it was a really good growth time for all of us. And now I think our relationship is tighter than it's ever been and like better than it's ever been. But it was also probably because we put through ourselves through a lot of friction working together. And you were down there setting up their quote unquote cultural systems. Like you yeah, were the I was head there of, to help with all that. Yeah. I mean, you were, what was the title? I was Does the director of, operations director of operations for the whole company. Yeah. So you had your hands in a lot of stuff, but the thing that you were the most passionate about is the cultural piece. Yeah, it was like development and connect- communication from the departments and, and, and business metrics so that they could... Um, but that was, yeah, business metrics just to be able to like be really um, proactive versus reactive. So now you're more self-aware than ever. Knowing what you know now, you're aware that you have the tendency to like go in super hot, yeah. guns blazing. What would you do differently if you got that exact same job today? There would have been a lot more... It would have been slower, obviously, but there would have been a lot more bringing people together to have conversations. So let me... like Another thing that is always an issue with most companies and people is they they talk about a lot of why's they feel the way they do. And Julia and I are both big time talking about the way we feel people. So her and I would have umpteen trillion meetings where we left feeling, I think like really good and connected and like, we feel like we're on the same page, but all we were really saying is we understand each other. We weren't saying anything about moving forward. So I'm kind of tangenting in that. Like I've also learned a lot about like, action plans and what we do to make the things happen. So there's like two parts to that. I would have slowed down. We would have stopped having so many meetings talking about all we've, we had a lot of meetings about like why people felt the way they did and why the world was hard. And we answered questions. Sometimes we most of the time didn't answer questions. And I think we learned a lot. Like those meetings are cool, but they are actually not for what we were trying to do. So there would have been a lot more like action planning meetings. There is now currently in my life, a lot more action planning meetings. What can we do for the next step? to change or improve our path or improve a person or improve a process. And that I think would have probably even in and of itself alone changed so much because Todd is an action based person and he loves talking about ideas and stuff, but he also really wants them in, in act like in action and in a plan. And so it probably drove him crazy at the time to have, Julie and I, who are just like big idea, visionary people. Just squawking away. Just squawking <laughs> away at all these big ideas. And just Todd probably just felt all this weight of like, how the fuck are we going to do all this stuff? How are we going to do all this stuff? And because everybody has different strengths, right? Todd, Todd like knows how to make things work, but he doesn't necessarily love coming up with the new big round ideas like that. And so if, without myself or Julia talking about how they work, all we're doing is making him stressed out. Yeah, he's like, don't talk about it. Be about it. Let's, yeah. let's get this yeah, thing yeah. going. So like, there was what? just like so much. I guess what I'd say is I've learned to expand my vision, be more empathetic to other people, allow people to have insight, maybe more slow down and agree upon a direction instead of tell everybody what the best direction is. And even if it is the best direction, you can't tell everybody. You have to like let people get there because I'm sitting at Z in my story, in my mind, and they're like, whatever, C, B, in the middle of the alphabet somewhere, working their way to Z. So you have to like work on the slow, the slow burn, paint the picture of the vision, show everybody where they fit in if you can, or ask everybody where they think they could fit in best. You know, like there's a bunch of different approaches depending on the personality type you're working with. And even if you are at Z in your mind, 
there there might be this thing to where your Z is totally wrong. Yep. So let's let's plug you in as generic consulting coach, life coach, whatever it is. You you have this picture of this is what perfect looks like for everybody, but you're not really respecting their organization if you don't spend the time to get to know what their goals are, how their organization really works. It's almost like if I had a consulting gig, what I would do for the first month or so is nothing. Like observe, talk to people, listen to challenges, like really try to understand the organization before I went in and was like, okay, here's what you got to do, Yep. which is probably what I would have done two or three years ago because... Basically what I did do. Right. Yeah. Which, because you're excited. You're yeah. you're new in this journey. You believe in these things, and you have this feeling that it can make people's lives better. And it comes from a good place because you want to share those things with other people, without a doubt. Like you're like, I feel like I can actually help. It's not a selfish. Look at me. I'm super cool. Let's do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. It comes from that good place, and that there there can be there can be some tension there. The other thing you mentioned is a really really cool little nugget for anybody who's who's managed people or has been in charge of people in any way, which is there's a difference between coaching your people and connecting with your people. And if you haven't had any training, it feels really good to have like, you know, those conversations like you and Julia had where, okay, cool. Like we talked about all our stuff. We feel good. And then you go your separate ways, getting nothing done. And it's hard because as a leader, you need to be someone that your people can talk to, but you can't be so close and so buddy buddy with them that you're not actually accurately assessing cool. Like here are some weaknesses you have. Here's how your actual performance is versus like my perceived like version of your performance because I like each other. We're cool. We have like the same kind of vibes or whatever. Right. And stepping back and and having that evaluation in your mind, I think that's super key. Oh man. Which, (laughs) Which is something that, and I've been guilty of that too. Like, um, prime prime time example is with um, with Nick mm. in the roastery. Like, right. we're both into like a ton of the same stuff. We've got a, like a, like video, common interests, skateboarding, like the whole thing. I'm like, dude, this guy's tight. Right, he's my boy. <laughs> this is my boy, and we're working together. And I'm just like, man, this isn't like something's not right here. And it mm-hmm. was it was me. Right. I was just, I was blind for the, for the whole situation. Shout out to Juno coffee roasters. Cause he's doing what he's supposed to NYC, do. NYC. We're going to meet up in Boston. I was when, texting with him the other day. Good. Yeah. That'll be fun. Dude's tight. When you are too close, literally. Okay. So yeah, what Chris said, double up on that. If you are in leadership, you cannot be best friends with everybody who works for you. And that is just point blank period. Sad truth. You can't even be like super good good friends with them a lot of the time if you want to be successful because what that unless you are so so good at like i guess disassociating yourself with that situation it's basically like you're living with drunk goggles on all the time and everything looks better and everything looks happier and everything looks really cool and fun and every single person around you is great and the reality is they're not, and I'm not trying to knock our staff, but I am trying to say that if leadership doesn't separate themselves and have like a really open and like clear view of what's happening in front of them, then they actually can't improve people to the point where 
they are affecting somebody's growth anymore because they just assume everybody's awesome. Right. And, and it's that's not, a it doesn't have anything to do with just our staff. It's, it's the world. It, yeah. It's the world. Everybody in any position has an opportunity for improvement. Right. And it's part of the job for the leader to be able to accurately assess what those opportunities are and lean into those and also accurately assess when things are going like wildly wrong. Right. And, and lean into those too. And it is a sacrifice that you make by entering into the leadership, leadership arena. And sometimes it sucks. And sometimes I feel like it sucks because sometimes I feel lonelier than I feel like I could feel otherwise. And I'm just like, dude, okay, cool. Like, and I have good relationships with my crew. Right. Like, and we can have fun together and we respect each other. But at the end of the day, there is some sort of separation there and it has to be that way. Right. Now, even though you lose that, which makes you feel alone, what you gain is the satisfaction by being able to accurately detach enough to actually help people grow in the ways that they need to grow and succeed, not just in the company, but in their life in general. That is well worth the trade. It is well worth so the like, trade. So like maybe you don't get to be that person's best friend, but you get to help that person win at fucking life. Yeah. And that is pretty fucking cool. Right. And you have to find other ways to to balance the loneliness, which is something that I haven't quite figured out yet. No, I haven't either. It's <laughs> it's one of those things like in vulnerability state I'm like, man, do they actually which okay, I know that people like me, don't get me wrong, but it's like do they actually like me or do they like me because I'm the owner of the company, right? And our company is full of people who are awesome and they do like. But when you can't get as close to them to know for sure that you're friends and you're not supposed to because it's actually going to hurt your whole business, you sit there half the time wondering, like, hmm, what do they really think of me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's where it's that feeling of being lonely, quote unquote, lonely at the top can come from because you're just like, you're there and your desire is to feel more and more connection. And you're not able to dive into those, con- you shouldn't dive into those connections on the level that you maybe would find yourself looking to seek. Right. And that's good. That needs to happen. Like what you just said is so that's, that's what's at stake. When you dive too close, you risk the opportunity to change somebody's life for the better. And is that worth it to you? It's fucking selfish is what it is. Yes, It's selfish because it'll make you feel better to be everyone's friends, but you're fucking them over. And that's not right. (laughs) If you're a leader and if you can't handle that, like maybe you're not ready for leadership yet Mm -hmm. and that's and that's okay too yeah there's nothing wrong with that it's just like that's a harsh truth of the reality of being a leader i wasn't always in that place no i tried not to be too for a long time and it makes feedback harder it makes everything personal and it makes even when it's not personal for you at all it makes it personal because the conversation then becomes a fight between your friend (laughs) and it shouldn't be that way and people aren't numbers to us as well. That is not it at all. People aren't metrics. People aren't any of that stuff. It's just for somebody to become their best selves, you need to be able to hear from somebody else in your world, hopefully it's a mentor or a leader, where you could improve and know that the person wouldn't be telling you how to improve if they didn't care about you a lot. And so that alone should be like, man, this is cool. <laughs> So yeah, there's just, there's so many pieces to that. And I'm, I'm thinking more back to like, um, I think I'm thinking back, tangenting back to like Santa Barbara and all that. What's interesting there too, is that we were simultaneously 
even though we're working together on both of our why, our personal why journeys and establishing, trying to figure out who we were anyway. So I was brought down partially to help with that. But at the same time, I was realizing that I was doing that specifically for myself and I wasn't ready to lead that at all. But I didn't know that. I knew I had a lot of great ideas. And somebody like Julia also has a lot of great ideas, which you and I know we go deep on ideas with her and it's super fun. And plus you guys both have a lot of energy and there's a lot of places you could go. <laughs> and we could just, yeah, <laughs> just, just say, we could just build each other up to like, fucking... you should see us at Disneyland. Like, <laughs> just freaking go off. And get out of hand real quick. It's been a lot of fun and a lot of funny uh, in all the ways and a lot of good. But that was something that was stacked, I think, against both of us as well as they were in a transition in a number of ways. And I don't know if they even at the time knew it in the same way. I didn't know I was so deeply in a transition or almost like a coming of age transition, like a chapter end, chapter beginning and like quote unquote, the hero's journey. And I'm not a hero. That's just part of what the journey is. Everybody's you're, you're, doing you're your own hero, hero's journey. Thank you. Yeah. I am a hero. hero. Fuck yeah. Claimed. Claimed it. <laughs> the hero's journey. But we were all in those places and we didn't even know. So you like f- fast forward to now and actually a lot of stuff that was a lot of friction and problems and so on and so forth, partially because of me, partially because of them, but mostly because of all the, the grinding has led to a lot of super epic fruit for both of us in our own directions. And that has been really awesome. And it for sure wouldn't have happened if we didn't come together, or at least it wouldn't have happened as fast. And so, you know, I can't ever, nobody can predict the future, but guaranteed we all learn from each other in a way that their business is now, I think, in a better, feels to me like it's in a better place than it's ever been. And ours is as well. And I am as well. And they are as well. Everyone's as humans. And it's been really cool. Everyone's better. Everyone's better. Which just means like you have to embrace sometimes the uncertainty of like not knowing anything and just moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. It's scary out there. Yeah. I'm terrified right now. <laughs> I can't even leave this chair. I can't even leave this chair. I can't even leave this chair, man. I am I am a little terrified in the sense of I feel a lot of pressure to find whoever that tribe is going to be for me. Yeah. For the jury of my peers, so to speak. The like, future of the Bacchus. Just, yeah, the, 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 the people that I, outside of, Cat and Cloud, outside of people who are employed by us and yourself and Charles, sure. that, that are that like tight knit group for me because that's something that right now I don't really have. I don't think a lot of people have that, and it's a little—I don't know if it's scary, but it, it feels like unnerving in some weird way. It's a miss in some way for all of us, yeah, to not have that. And I have other families, quote unquote. But they're filling different needs for me, mm-hmm. and I need someone that's filling that um, almost growth mindset need. So there's like the, the family of skateboarding that never goes away, yep. and that family's rad. And it's it's a fucking just for fun. Anything goes. Like we can kind of do whatever we want, say whatever we want, be around each other in the most honest and open way. But my skateboard friends aren't pushing me in the same way as like the other, I don't know, business mm-hmm. associates. What the fucked up word is that? Business friends. Bi- <laughs> associates. I don't know what the fuck I'm <laughs> no, talking no, about. That's, that's just how most of the world talks about it. So associates. I guess that's what we say. <laughs> like, what do you call someone who is growing in their fucking business journey? Because I like entrepreneur, if you read uh, Rework by the Basecamp crew, they're right. like, and, and th- this is their first book, but it's something that stuck with me. They're like, enough 
with entrepreneurs. It smells like a members only club from like the eighties or something. It like does. That. And so I, does I, associate I with that. Associates, yeah, same. So does candidate. Oh, yeah. Even though it's like not even that's true. So I tried to not say entrepreneurs. I said yeah. something equally as bad. <laughs> Check out my associate. Congratulations. You this played is my yourself. District associate. You know what I realized? I remember a place that I didn't make a move. I didn't say yes or no. I guess I invariably said no, but what I, or I didn't actually, I should say, I didn't do anything. And that had to do with a lot of like mental and emotional health stuff. So I guess, you know, there's a lot of time. It took forever for me to be like, I'm actually going to seek out a therapist to grow in these areas, or I'm going to find books and things to step forward in dealing with demons that are from all over the place. And that actually is a place most people probably don't take dramatic steps for themselves to work through. Or if they do, they don't feel comfortable talking about it to everybody in the world. And that is something, those are two things that people don't do that are probably the worst things you could do for yourself. And that's in terms of taking, it's a care thing for me. What kept you from doing it for so Straight long? up fear. Fear? Fear. Fear in uh, the sense of other people are going to find out and then I'm weird or just I'm going to be exposed. Fear of what I'll find out. Right. Fear of what my truth really is. Fear or money, which people always do. And and it's like, well, it costs a lot to, to get healthy uh, or usually it's those two things. But most of the time... I'm sure other people have had this experience. Like you make the move and you're like, cool, I'm going to go see a therapist and you're all excited. And then the day comes and you're, you're on your way there and you start getting really panicky and really afraid. And you're like, what am I afraid of? What am I nervous of? I don't know. I'm really freaked out right now. And you, your body's essentially telling you that you're about to like, it's almost your ego really saying like, don't, don't let anybody in there. Don't let anybody, don't even let yourself like, you need to you need to stay tight with the tribe. You need to stay looking good or they're going to kick you out. Shit's going to get weird. Whatever that is, it happens. I guarantee you, anybody who went to therapy for the first, sometimes even like restarting it after a couple weeks, get that. And we'll be like, oh, yeah, I had that. And so there's a lot of reasons why people don't do it and none of them are any good. <laughs> do you think there's this pressure? You're a business owner. People know you own the coffee shop go to therapy and feeling like, oh man, they know I own the fucking business. Now everyone's going to know I'm a freaking kook and have no idea what's going on. Like, oh yeah, the dude that owns Cat and Cloud, one of them's fucking crazy. That isn't it for me. I'm like such a harsh critic of myself. I think I feel like I'm a harsher critic than anybody else. So then when you get there and you start learning to either give yourself grace or learning to do all that stuff, you start like feeling a lot of either like you let yourself feel the sadness or you let yourself feel even more so like you let yourself down or like you didn't do all the things that you have been essentially working towards being your best self the whole time. It's like, well, look at all these areas you're not even touching because you're uh, whatever reason, all the reasons everybody's got their own. So it's, it's pretty weird. And then yeah, like the truth of stuff, stuffing things that you can't change and just not processing them. Like, oh, this thing happened to this person in my life. And yeah, that relationship's over and I can't do anything about it. But did you actually take the time to grieve it? Because like that's part of your world is grieving losses. And those are little and big for everybody in different ways. 
how did it feel to feel totally betrayed by your two quote unquote older brothers that you left your city to start a huge thing with and have that feeling of like you got betrayed by people who even deeper, you've been seeking mentors and people to care for you and you put your eggs in a basket. How did it feel really to walk away from all that and to never rekindle it? pretty gnarly maybe but you don't really take the time to address it because what are you going to do about it so it's gnarly so stuff like that it's like you go there and you're like i don't want to go there it doesn't feel good but it's the only way forward jen gotch has a great podcast and one of her episodes is all about therapy and she breaks down the process of how she went about finding a therapy a therapist and what to expect for the first time and all the she's really off the cuff and her podcast is really layered, so it's a lot of real emotional speak. Mm. I would recommend someone go go listen to it because it, it talks about some of the things that you talked about, about right. exposing yourself. But she talks about the like the process of it and how it, it's really a process from like <laughs> finding the right person mm-hmm. that resonates with you. And you're really shopping for someone who understands and is going to click with you the best. And that's okay. Like You might have a really shitty experience with a therapist first time out because you haven't found the one and like, don't let that turn you away from, from the whole situation. Mm-hmm. She goes into every level, but I, I, I don't know. That's wise. I find it really interesting. I think that's super wise. Cause nobody's, yeah, nobody's perfect. And one experience isn't every experience. So yeah, you might walk in and have a super lame time. You probably have to give it one or two to see if it works, maybe five. And if you know for sure it's not working for you, you can just walk away. There, you're not married to any therapist. Find she, another one. Right. <laughs> she mentions money too, and one thing that's interesting is some some therapists will work on what they call a sliding scale. So yeah. if you're a student or if you're lower income, you can just kind of throw out there like, "Hey, this is my situation," mm-hmm. and a lot of them are willing to make an exception for that and bring you in at a lower rate. Mine did. She dropped it forty bucks because I was just like, "Hey, can we maybe do this like?" Instead of every week, could I maybe do this like twice a month? It's pretty gnarly for us. And she's like, what if she, is she actually, and this is cool, right? Because I have a, I feel like I found the one for me, but she was like, I think the work we're doing is like really good. She's all, I'm enjoying it. I can tell you're getting a lot of it. Like this has been really cool mutually. Like this is not only a one-way street. You're really like interesting and cool to work with. I would rather drop my price and keep working with you than the other way around. The most interesting and cool man in the world. <laughs> I wish I had a video of that. Charles just poked his head through the door. There's his face looking at us. I think that, that face means it's time to wrap up the, the face means. <laughs> and that's the face. And since we <laughs> said listener mail, it's time for the end of the podcast. <laughs> well, I hope everyone has a great week. I'm going to San Francisco tonight to see Busy Tonight, Busy Phillips's mm. new talk show. I think it's going to be funny as fuck. You should check her out, too. And that's all I have. All righty, then. <laughs> the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the brewer next day like that is 
absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. The old Teddy Roosevelt quote, try and succeed, which is the best option. Try and fail, which is the next best option. And the worst option is don't do, do anything. <laughs> and that is pretty ice cold, hard hitting if you just sit with that for a second. <laughs>